Hi, Jax. Hey, Jax. Hello, Jax. Hey, Jax, I have a question for you. And I'm just wondering about... I wanted to ask you about... Uh, I have a question for you. I have a question about the history of porn. Hey, friends. It's Jax. Welcome to this week's Thorny Issues. I got a couple great questions for you today, which I am excited to get to. But before then, thought I'd do a little ponder on where my week's been, what's been happening, and what's been running through my mind. I had an encounter with a guy. Not the best of encounters. It was fine. Totally fine. Nothing more than fine. But an amusing thing happened. And this amusing thing, I have noted, happens with men who are not long-term boyfriends. Because I think those dynamics are slightly different. But I have a question for you. What is it with the dumb shit that guys will say after you've had sex? I don't understand it. I've had people try and sell me Bitcoin, talk to me about their Tesla stock, show me pictures of their truck. Recently, I had someone talk to me about the lack of freedom of speech in Canada. I've had someone try and convert me to religion. I've had someone talk about why feminism really isn't a big deal and isn't important. Shut up. Shut up with the dumb shit you say after sex. Do you know what you do? You give someone a cuddle, maybe a kiss on the forehead, let them go to the washroom, and then either have a snuggle or put your clothes on and leave. I don't get it. It is utterly ridiculous. Just be excited that you got to, you got to have fun with a woman and then move on. So I've got a bit of a question. Maybe I'll pop it on Instagram. What ridiculous stuff has someone said to you after sex? And I know I'm throwing this all on men right now because that's who I date. But I totally get this. This could be anyone. But, but just, I don't know. Be happy you got to do a fun thing together and then maybe move on. I'm trying to work out if it's someone working on sort of wooing. Is it a wooing technique? Hey, Here's a picture of my truck. I mean, come on. Be better. Let's be better. (laughs) Anyway, that's where my head's been at today. Utterly ridiculous, I know. I started compiling a huge list of these things and just got so mortified that I just gave you a couple. Just the whole thing. Ridiculous, ridiculous, ridiculous. Enough of that, though. I hope you are well and you are not having these ridiculous things that happen to me. That's why you get to listen to me. I'll tell you the silly stuff that can happen. And so it never has to happen to you. Hopefully, maybe. Maybe we can just educate people to not say much post-coital. A little kiss, a little snuggle, maybe a shower. Clothes on, glass of water, leave. That makes me sound much more heartless than I am. As I mentioned, I... There are a couple of questions coming up on the show. So enjoy the episode. Let me know what you think. Look after yourselves. I'll catch you on the other side. Hey, Jax. So for the past year or so, I've just been feeling really down in the dumps, just really like low mood, getting really teary. Just, I figured that I was, I was experiencing some kind of depression. And so I went to the doctor about three months ago and they prescribed me antidepressants. 
Um, so I've been taking those for about three months now and like they're helping. The crying has stopped and I don't feel so heavy and tired and just low anymore. But there's just like one issue and that's that's like with my sex life. So since taking the meds, I've noticed that I just can't orgasm the way I used to. It seems to take a lot, lot more for me to get aroused. And then like I can get there sometimes, but then when I do, it's like, it's like there's like a cap on my orgasm. Like it starts, but then it just kind of stops. And I have gotten there a couple times, but that's really only been like after a couple hours in bed, which is okay, but just it's just not that practical. <laughs> and I worry that it's just a lot of work for my partner. And I've assured him it's not him. And, you know, he is really happy that I, I am on these medications and that it is making me feel better. But like, I know that this affects him too. And sex has always just been a really important thing for both of us in our relationship. So, you know, he does talk about me coming off of them at some point. Um, and of course I want that too, but I'm also just like really apprehensive about coming off them too soon and falling back down into a depression. I mean, it's just taken a lot to get me here. And like, he, he saw me in those low moods too, you know? And so like, we're both happy I'm, I'm out of there, but I don't know. I, my friend said I should talk to my doctor to try another set of meds, you know, with maybe different side effects, but I'm worried about that too. Like, what if they don't work, you know, or what if there's just different side effects altogether? So I'm reluctant to mess with something that's just making me feel happier for the first time in a long time. I'm just curious if you had any thoughts about that. Thank you. Hey, it's really great to hear that being on antidepressants is making you feel happier. I think it's fantastic that you took a step forward to make yourself feel better and to find a place where you're feeling less low, less teary, less overwhelmed. I'm really glad you're not feeling so heavy and tired. And I want you to know that you are not alone in having your sex life or your sex drive impacted by the use of antidepressants. Being on antidepressants can be the difference between coping and not coping, and it can pop you into this headspace where you're ready to get the mental health support that you can actually implement. So hopefully you can come off the antidepressants if that's your goal, or you can feel much more confident and balanced in who you are. All of these are good things, except the impacted sex drive. And antidepressants are the favoured option for treatment of depression. But many recent studies have documented that they can cause all sorts of sexual difficulties, such as genital numbness, genital irritability, delayed ejaculation, delayed orgasm, or like a muted orgasm, loss of libido, an inability to orgasm, loss of pleasurable sensation, difficulty maintaining an erection, and problems with lubrication. This will help to explain your experience of struggling with orgasm and having to spend a lot more time to build your arousal. Did your doctor talk to you about any of this before prescribing the medication? Their priority, quite understandably, was getting you on medication for your mental health, for your depression. But sexual health is really important too. I personally think that healthy sexual functioning is a fundamental aspect to our overall health and well-being. And many studies have found this too. However, many health professionals have a lack of understanding and awareness around this, or really it's more they've not been adequately trained to openly talk about sexual health. This is something that I feel even 10, 15 years ago, it was incredibly taboo to talk about sex. It's still taboo to talk about 
about sex, I can tell you that from all the DMs that I get. Your GP probably didn't think about this when prescribing the medication, but we now can see that you are having some side effects. So I've been trying to think about the best ways for you to get your libido back. The first one is to go back and consult your doctor. You said you're reluctant to mess with something that's making you feel happier, and I totally understand that, but perhaps you could consult your doctor about the dosage that you're on. I'm not a medical professional, so everything I say about the meds right now, talk to your doctor. You've only been on them for three months, and so there is some tinkering that can be done to make sure that the dosage is correct for you and for what you're looking for in life. Sex is obviously important to you or you wouldn't be sending me this question. So it is something to bring up with your doctor. While you are there, may I also suggest that you talk to your doctor about getting a blood screening. Mental health isn't just one thing. And a big question I have is how is your overall health and your overall well-being? So when you're with the doctor, if you ask for a blood screening, let's check out things like your vitamin B levels, your vitamin D, iron, cholesterol. Just sort of check these key things off. Perhaps something has changed. As we get older, things do change hormonally for us, but also how we absorb vitamins and minerals. And you want to make sure that you are at your best overall health that you possibly can be. And then the final question I would have for your doctor is, are you taking any other meds? And actually have they, with the antidepressants, contributed to affecting your libido? Are you on antihistamines or blood thinners or HRT? Do you take contraception? Contraception is something that has been known already to affect libido. Unfortunately, women's health is not studied enough. It is severely underfunded. So I'm struggling to find many studies to do with affected libido and drugs, except for people saying there is a correlation. The second thing I think you need to do is address the underlying reasons that you were feeling low, you were feeling teary, you weren't feeling like yourself. Can you afford to see a therapist or a counsellor? What are the current stresses in your life? A therapist, a counsellor, or even a coach, depending on where you feel you're at in your mental health journey, can really help look at the reasons why. So the antidepressants are sort of fixing an immediate problem, but therapy and counselling and coaching can potentially get you past the problem and moving forward, looking back at what are those underlying reasons, what are those stresses, and how can you move forward? So once you've spoken to your doctor and you've maybe managed to chat with a therapist or a counsellor or a coach, I think it's really important for yourself to look at your overall well-being. Are you getting enough sleep? Are you hydrated? Are you eating nutritious food? And are you actually eating regularly, not accidentally missing meals? When we get stressed, when we get overwhelmed, when we get depressed... Normally it goes one of two ways. We either miss meals and forget to feed ourselves and to nurture our body in that way, or we can overeat or eat foods that aren't necessarily going to make us feel our best. Now I have an eating disorder. I'm going to try and be incredibly careful as to how I talk about food. When I say nutritious food, I'm talking about food that nourishes you, food that nourishes your soul, food that nourishes your body. I'm not going to suggest that you go on any sort of diet. What I am going to suggest is you think about the food that you're putting in your body in terms of are you eating enough? 
And are you eating something varied and interesting? Sometimes, especially going into the winter, we want food that makes us feel like we're having a hug, whether that's a curry or a soup or a stew. Sometimes it's a sandwich. Sometimes you want that burger. It doesn't matter. Just maybe sort of think of the variety of food that you're eating, but is the food nutritious? That's the key piece here. Nutritious, nourishing for you. Don't limit, don't be extreme, and don't binge but make sure that you are eating enough. Thirdly, fourthly, I'm not sure where I'm at in my list now. Move your body, move your body for your mind. When we move our bodies and we exercise, it causes our brains to release feel-good chemicals like endorphins and serotonin, which can help improve our mood. Jamila Jamil, the actress and activist, has this wonderful thing she's really pushing for people right now, which is move for your mind. And she is suggesting 15 minutes of movement a day. If you want to do more, you can totally do more. But it's about moving. It's about getting blood flow happening. Go for a walk. You're not doing it to physically change who you are. You're doing it to mentally change who you are. Exercise is documented to be good for you. It doesn't have to be an intense workout. It totally can be an intense workout if you'd like, but do something that makes you happy. About six months ago, sat down and went through all the things that used to make me happy as a kid, and I'm sort of reincorporating them into my life. And a big one for me was dancing. I did a lot of dancing all through high school, did a lot of gymnastics as well, but I have a fucked up back. So gymnastics is out the window for now, but dancing isn't. And there's a dance studio around the corner, and I now have a WhatsApp group with friends that periodically it will be like, who wants to go to this class? And if we're free, we go. I get to have human connection with people, and I get to move my body nobody is watching me nobody is judging me but I feel so good afterwards it makes me smile so much the other things that I do I lift heavyweights I started lifting heavyweights in 2017 and I've never looked back it makes me feel strong it makes me feel empowered it mentally makes me feel fantastic but I totally understand that can be an intimidating space especially as a woman to walk into have you thought about boxing have you thought about dancing around your living room just getting into a space where you feel good get those endorphins flowing start to feel great again in your body And then I mentioned I have this dance class that I go to with my friends. Are you connecting enough with people? Mentally, a lot of us struggle with isolation. Since COVID, a lot more people are struggling with isolation. And as we get older, normally our friendship groups diminish rather than grow. Are you getting to see people? I don't know if you're now working fully from home. There were natural connections that we used to have with people and with the world that could brighten our day, a smile from a stranger, the hello with the person from the coffee shop, or the quick chat with your colleagues before heading into a meeting. All these things have changed quite dramatically in the last four years. And I think mentally, it's sort of set us back to a place where we just feel more alone. Could you text a friend right now and say, fancy grabbing a tea tomorrow? Let's go for a walk. And you can check two off at once. Now, maybe I'm going to finally answer your question about libido and sex. The chemicals in your brain are changing because of the antidepressants that you are on. Get to know your body again. Turn yourself on. Be proactive about it. Find what works for you now. Do this alone. Don't do this with your partner. Set time aside purposefully to get to know your body, what feels good to you. This could be so many things. This could be masturbation. 
This could be engaging with erotica or porn. This could be dancing alone in your house and really feeling how your body moves. This could be wearing cute or sexy underwear that makes you feel fucking great. There are many studies out there that suggest that regular masturbation helps increase sexual desire and confidence. It really is a, if you don't use it, you might lose it. And masturbation is a skill, just like sex is a skill. Learn your body. It's a really fun thing to do. Perhaps buy yourself a new toy. Enjoy being sexual for you, only for you. It can be incredibly empowering and liberating, working out how your body works and how you can feel so great in yourself. And also, it's really fucking fun. And the final thing in your question, sort of bringing it back to you and your partner in your sex life, you make a comment that it feels like a lot of work with your partner right now. Can we rephrase this? Can we make it a time of play? Perhaps go back to the basics with your partner. Holding hands, work on touch. Don't focus on the orgasm at the end. That is not the goal. The goal is to find a way for you two to connect. Have a good old-fashioned makeout on the couch. Those can feel amazing. Cuddle up to each other while watching a movie. Maybe some massaging. Maybe you can try some more sensual play with working on how different things feel around your body. Maybe you can run a silk scarf over your body or or something like a leather belt, not in the sort of spanky way, just in a sort of feeling the different textures on your body. Maybe use ice or wax. Find some of the other parts of your body that can feel good where you're not having to focus on performing, orgasming, being aroused in the natural ways our bodies are aroused, like getting wet and those kind of things. And connect with each other in this way and hopefully as you start to feel more confident and comfortable in your body and you holistically are looking at your overall health and well-being you might be able to find a way forward the reason I feel you need to look at all these aspects of your life and it's not a one-size-fits-all is our thoughts and feelings are directly influenced by our nervous system state If we can get these basics under control and in order, hopefully we can calm the nervous system. When we're stressed out and our bodies are producing cortisol, we generally go into the sort of a fight, flight or freeze situation. And doing some of the things that I've suggested will help find a way of discharging that cortisol and not having the body produce quite as much anymore. So go have a chat with your doctor. Go find someone professional to talk to, be it a therapist, a counsellor or a coach. And then look inwardly at the things you can do to boost your serotonin and your endorphin levels. And I really hope that you manage to find a way forward. Good luck. Hi, Jax. I've been seeing someone for a few months and it's been a casual but intimate relationship. Neither of us wanted a heavy commitment as we're both coming out of marriages. It's been really lovely. Now the person I'm seeing is going through some medical issues and has asked me to go to hospital appointments with him. The truth is I don't want to, but I have said yes. I have supported a friend through cancer before and I know it sounds awful, but I don't want to do that again. Part of the reason that my marriage broke up was that I was fed up with giving a lot and feeling like I was getting nothing back. This is a pattern throughout my life. I'm in my late 40s and I'm trying to correct it. But how do I say no to someone I've been intimate with asking for support in such a difficult time? 
He doesn't have a diagnosis yet and hopefully it will be nothing, but I worry that I'm going to get pulled into looking after someone again. These are totally legitimate feelings for you to be having. Please be kind to yourself. I also really hope your friend's diagnosis leads to nothing huge. I really, really do. I have everything crossed there. As I said, your feelings are also valid here. You are going to need to have a conversation. You are going to need to put your big girl pants on. And you are going to need to be honest with this guy. It is the only way for this relationship to really have a chance. And for you to set very legitimate boundaries. And I get that it is hard It's really hard to be this openly, candidly honest with people, especially when the big C is looming around there. We instantly go into caring mode. So many of us operate under this thing called fog, fear, obligation, and guilt. We're scared to say something. We find it hard to say something that could upset someone else. It's been conditioned into us to put others' needs before our own, especially as women. And you say you've experienced this in your life through your marriage breakdown. It can lead to resentment. I'm going to say it again. You are important. Your feelings, your needs, they matter. It is not selfish or wrong to think what you are thinking. That said, he is going through a hard time and kindness will be needed when approaching this conversation. Let's look at this practically for a second. Bring up the conversation in a stress-free, comfortable environment. Don't do it in bed after sex. Don't do it in bed at all. Or after the doctor's appointment that you've committed to going to. Personally, I love a side-to-side conversation. When you're driving or out for a walk or sat at a bar, it gives you the freedom to have a natural reaction and express yourself honestly without feeling that everything you are saying or how your face is reacting is being scrutinized and judged. I think part of this conversation needs to loop back to how you two began. You say that it was casual and that neither of you two wanted a heavy commitment. Ask him if his expectations have changed. Stress that yours haven't. Relationships, however casual, are constantly evolving and it is important to check in from time to time to check that they're heading in the same direction. Let him know that you don't want to hurt him but you also don't want to hide these feelings from him as it's feelings like this that pulled you away from your husband previously. Take time to speak, take time to listen. There is absolutely nothing wrong with communicating your needs. You are breaking a habit of a lifetime. It is healthy to do that. His needs currently might not match yours right now. So I'm wondering, is there a compromise? Can you talk to him about how you might be able to carry on dating and show support for him without actually going to the medical appointments and potentially becoming a primary carer? Can you be there in the evenings when he gets home from these appointments? Can you cook him meals? Can you still have your weekly date night, even if the activities within that will change as he goes through his treatments? You've dealt with this before. You have been a carer before. You know what potentially is in the future and you know where your healthy boundaries are. I think this is such an important moment for you to be able to do something different to what you did in your marriage. And despite all of your fears, it could make the relationship stronger when we are honest with the people that we care about. It can be mind-blowing how 
much a relationship can progress with that radical honesty. There's a chance he might have asked you to be his support and go to his doctor's appointments because he thought that might be something you would want to do. You're someone he's intimate with and maybe it just felt like the natural person to ask. There might be other people in his life who can do this too, but it doesn't have to be your responsibility. People who have boundaries and can say no in a kind, generous way actually can be seen as some of the strongest, most positive friends that we have because we can trust that they are telling you the truth when they are saying something. They're not operating under any sort of guilt. They're not operating under obligation. They are genuinely being themselves. And this gives you a chance to be your true self now. Be honest. It will be okay. I really hope your partner's diagnosis is a positive one for the both of you. That's it for another episode of Thorny Issues. Thank you so much for joining me this week. I look forward to catching you on the next episode. If you have a question you would like to submit, please go to the website thornyissues.ca. Click on the submit a question tab. All the information is there. It is 100% anonymous. And I'm really looking forward to hearing from you and delving into some of those thornier issues that maybe you don't feel comfortable asking people in your life. That's what I'm here for. Follow the pod on Instagram at thornyissues. And please like and subscribe and do all the things that all your favorite podcasters ask. Five-star reviews, share it with your friends. It really is wonderful getting to engage with you and having regular listeners and knowing people are out there who are interested. So thank you very much for that. As always, if you want to share the love with others, I'd never say no. The more listeners I get, the more questions I will get, the more people I'll get to interview, and the more we all get to learn. Yay! So thank you for your support. And if you have enjoyed what you're listening to and you fancy buying me a coffee, you can do that. You can go to ko-fi.com forward slash thorny issues and all the information is there. We can have a virtual coffee whilst you're listening to me on the pod. Have a wonderful week. Look after yourselves. Stay safe, stay well, be kind and go have fun. Bye.